You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that passage that uh, Ben um, just read to us in John chapter 1. We're going to be working our way through that this morning. And I, I just, for those of you um, that are regular uh, attenders or, or members, you probably are aware that I was out of the pulpit the last three weeks, and that's because I took a wonderful two-week vacation with my bride, Elizabeth, and uh, we got away to sunshine and... Uh, uh, a little bit of ocean, and yes, there was a golf course or two involved. You know, what you may not know, uh, and I just, uh, I'm so privileged to be a part of a group uh, of pastors here at Journey that just have a passionate love for Jesus. And every week, there's a group of uh, seven of us that meet, six others besides myself, and, and each week, we are evaluating the last sermon we're talking about the needs of our congregation. Uh, we're praying for the one who will be preaching. And then whoever's preaching, whether it's me or any of the other guys, we're presenting our outline and our material to the team. And we're getting feedback and encouragement and oftentimes additional illustrations or thoughts of application. So whether someone is preaching at the West Campus or they're preaching at the Central Campus, we're doing that together. And uh, that meeting is one of the highest highlights of my week. Um, and I can tell you that I honestly, when I go away from journey, knowing the hearts and the theology and, and the fervor of these men, knowing what they will be sharing from the pulpit, man, I can relax. I know that the pulpit is in good hands. And, and I can just tell you that I get online and watch, and I'm so excited and I'm so uplifted. So I just, I wanted you to know that uh, that's just one of the, the best things that I think is going on at, at Journey Bible Church in terms of preparing a future generation to be spiritual shepherds um, and here and, and at other churches. Um, you guys are probably aware of this, but uh, John, we decided we kind of would outline John's gospel uh, in a sweeping way like it was a play. There's a prologue at the beginning and an epilogue at the end, and then there's two acts, two major uh, parts of the book of the Gospel of John. The first part is the signs of Jesus, and then the second part is the glory or the passion of Jesus. And right now we're in the beginning part of the signs of Jesus. Now, I'm curious, how many of you can remember, those of you that are moms and dads or grandparents, your kids' or your grandkids' first words? Okay, some of you. How many of you wish right now you're embarrassed you can't remember? So, so I remember, what I remember is I worked really hard to make sure the first word out of all my kids' mouths was dada. And I worked really hard for that. And guess what we got instead? Mama. That's right. I was super disappointed. I, I thought, well, I guess data must be a more intelligent and difficult term to say. Um, but the reality is that first words um, are something that are very exciting. 
something we look forward to. I, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the commercial, um, the, the Liberty Liberty commercial, you know, where the lady has got her and her sister, they're out strolling and she's showing her sister, look how much I saved from Liberty, $700. And, and then all of a sudden, her, her, the child in the stroller says its first word and it's Liberty. And, and mom grabs her phone and sister looks and she wants to take a video and she says, say mama. And she says, liberty. <laughs> you know, and then her sister looks at her and goes, how many people have you told about liberty insurance? You know, the implication being all she talked about was what the baby heard and her first word was liberty. You know, the first words of Jesus in the gospel of John are not a statement, they're a question. And they're really fitting to help you and I think through the whole gospel and everything that's happening in this gospel. And the question is, what are you thinking? What are you seeking? What are you wanting? Jesus is asking an open-ended question. He is asking a question that goes as deep as you are searching this is why Jesus came, to deal with our deepest needs. And he, he, he didn't come um, to customize an answer to each person. He, he came to present himself as the answer to everything that you and I need. See, one of the problems I see in the church today is, is we've all got these smartphones. I'm curious, is there anybody in the room who's blessed enough not to have a smartphone? Okay, there might be one or two that aren't, aren't raising their hands, but all of us do. And on your smartphones, you have apps. And, and you download apps that you think are going to be helpful to you and to your life. Um, and are gonna, you open that app and you use that app when you need help or you need to check a balance or, or maybe you need to get a new password or, or whatever that app may do for you. And that's kind of the way that our culture sees Jesus. He's an app that we run in our life to make it better and more efficient. But what I want to tell you is Jesus is not an app you download to help you out in your life. Jesus is an operating system. He doesn't come to make your life better. He comes to run your life, to reorganize your life. Jesus has come to be a savior that rescues and delivers you from the oppression of sin. Jesus has come as Lord who reigns and rules in this earth and in our lives. And so I want you to understand that, 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 that John is going, when he asks you, what are you seeking? What is it you want out of life? He's not going to offer you a customized plan of six apps you can download to make your life better. He's going to present you with Jesus, the only answer, to the soul's deepest questions and deepest needs. And so, as we work through this passage, I, I just want to signal for you four changes that we see that come when someone chooses to follow Jesus. And then, and then what we're going to see is that these continue throughout the Gospel of John over and over and over. All four of these changes help us to understand uh, comprehensively what it means to follow Jesus, to be devoted as a passionate follower of Jesus. 
for what happens when we allow the gospel to permeate our lives. And so just turn to verse 35 with me, and we're just going to kind of work through this passage, and I'll, I'll point out how we see the seeds of these four changes, and then later on as we work through the gospel, we will see these over and over again. In verse 35, it says, the next day, um, you may remember um, Ian told us last week that uh, the progression in chapter 4 with John the Baptist is day by day by day, and we're through the end of, through the middle of chapter 2, we're getting a week in the life of Jesus as he's introduced to us by John the Baptist. So the next day here in verse 35 is the third day that John the Baptist has been a part of things in John chapter 1. And he's standing with two of his disciples. John had a group of disciples who followed him as a rabbi. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. So imagine John standing with his disciples and he sees Jesus walking by and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, we've already been introduced to Jesus earlier, I mean, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now he has two disciples with him and he's saying, Look, that's him. That's the Lamb of God. The one talked about in Isaiah 53, the one talked about in Exodus, that's the Lamb of God. And it says in verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, that word, followed, um, in the Gospels, and especially in John, is a technical term for someone who chooses to become the learner of another, to become the disciple of a teacher. And so it's this idea, they followed Jesus, they took steps to physically follow after Jesus. But John's probably got a play on words going here, that those first physical steps are the start of spiritual steps. And what I want you to gather from this interaction where John the Baptist points out Jesus as the Lamb of God, is that when you choose to follow Jesus, it brings a new content that's going to reshape your mind. Most of us make the world up in our own image. We don't see it as it really is. We see it as we would like it to be or how we sense that it is. Um, and the reality is, is, is that God determines what reality is. And so you and I are reacting and living in the midst of reality. And, and what happens oftentimes is we distort reality to suit the narrative that you and I want to live out. And so the first change that has to take place if you want to follow Jesus is to take that genuine step where you are going to let his content reshape the way you see the world, the way you see yourself, the way you see people, the way you see life, the way you see meaning, the way you see purpose. See, being a disciple has a content to it. So, you know, this week I was looking back through the first chapter and um, I decided I would write down every one of the titles of Jesus that I just saw in the first chapter. 
and I found 15 different titles for Jesus. By the way, this would be a very great in-depth study if you want to do this. But here are the titles I found that he's the word, the, the one who gives meaning. He's the life, the one who brings eternal life. He's the light. He's the one who shines in the darkness. He's the only son of the Father. He's Jesus the Christ. He's the only God. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He's Rabbi. He's the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. He's the son of Joseph. He's the king of Israel. He's the son of man. And this is being presented to us as a package. You, you, Jesus is a person. You either take him as he is and he's re revealed to be, or you reject him. And, and that's what we find in, in the first part of the gospel where it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. See, our, our problem is that most of us do not completely surrender to the revelation of Jesus that we really have. We want to a la carte Jesus. How many of you grew up on school lunches? I'm just curious. How many, of you, how many of your mom, you never tasted a school lunch? You may be some of the blessed few that live in this world. But when I, when I went to school and I got a school lunch, I didn't get to choose anything that was on there. Like, they handed me a tray that was portioned out, and it had some kind of meat, wasn't sure what it was. It had a vegetable, you could usually tell what it was, but it was more mushy than it should have been. There was always a starch, right? And, and, and there might have been a fruit, and there might have been a dessert, and there was always a carton of milk. How many of you remember school lunches like that, right? And, and you're like, I'm paying for this? Well, then my kids go to school, and here in Olathe, they have an a la carte menu. And my kids were like, this is awesome. They never even asked how much each part of the a la carte menu cost. They would just say, I'd take four pizzas, please. Would you like milk? No. Do you have any Coke? You know, and, and that's, they would a la carte their meal to fit their desires, not to fit, really, their body's needs. Now, young kids, man, they can get away with us. As older people, we're in trouble if we have four pizzas. I'm just telling you. You know, and that's the way spiritually people come to Jesus. I want an a la carte Jesus. Oh, yeah, you know, I kind of like this Jesus of Nazareth, man, the underdog coming from the town that nobody wants to be a part of. But you know what? This king of Israel, I don't want someone who's going to rule over me. I don't want someone who's going to reign. I don't want someone who's going to tell me what to do. I want someone that, you know, will do what I want. Oh, you know what? I, I do want that Lamb of God guy, though, because I need my sins to be forgiven. Um, but you know what? I, I don't know. I don't, want, I don't think I want him to show up, shine his light in my darkness. I don't want to feel any guilt. I don't want to feel any shame. And we create an a la carte Jesus. You see it in the church today. You see a major denomination, the Methodist church, splitting over the fact that some people have created an a la carte Jesus. 
I, I want the Jesus of love. I, I want the Jesus of kindness. I want the Jesus of compassionate. I don't want the Lion of Judah. I don't want holiness. I don't want righteousness. I don't want justice as determined by God. I want, a, I want an a la carte Jesus. And so the first change that comes for you and I is this idea that we at some point have to choose whether or not we're going to buy into the content that's revealed to us about who Jesus is, why Jesus came, and what his work means for you and I. We must believe the truth about Jesus. So that's the first change. Following Jesus, there's a content to your faith, a belief that you must adhere to, that you must acknowledge. Let's continue with our passage. Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them. So he sees them following him. I don't know at what distance. We just know Jesus is going. They followed along. And, and he says, what are you seeking? What are you searching for? What do you want? Why would you follow me? And this, there's another play on words here because they want to know where he's going. Rabbi, and by the way, uh, rabbi is a, is a word that you would use. Um, let me see if I've got that. It means my great one. And it was a term that was used in that culture when someone was a recognized teacher of divine things. They would, a Jewish person would be a rabbi or a teacher. And, and so he asked them this question and they recognized that he, he, they haven't made the connection yet. John said he's the Lamb of God. They'll just recognize him at this moment as a great teacher, and they'll ask him, Rabbi. And then they say this, where are you staying? Now, John, John is a, a master of introducing things to us. So I, I want you to, I want to retranslate this for you in the way that the word is translated later in the rest of this gospel. Where are you abiding? John 14, John 15, the idea of abiding in Christ is that verb right there. That's the one he will use. There's supposed to be a play on words here. We want to know what you are really like. We, we've come searching for intimacy with, with who we think may be the Messiah or the Lamb of God or the King of Israel. They're not just asking for proximity. They're asking for more than that. And he said to them, come and you will see. Come on, check it out. Spend the day with me. Walk with me. Talk with me. I'll help you to get clarity about who I am and why I've come. So they came and saw where he was staying and they abided with him that day for it was about 4 p.m., the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, and I want you to notice, after spending the day with him, he's no longer rabbi. He, he's no longer just the lamb of God. Uh, Andrews began to connect the dots, and he tells his brother, Simon, we have found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. 
the king that would sit forever on David's throne. So these words of following and abiding and coming and discovering, seeing, having the blind see, all of these words are being used to help us understand the shifts that need to be taking place. And, and so now what we will see is that following Jesus not only believes a, a, a content of the faith, it, it surrenders to that content and asks Jesus to convert or change or regenerate their heart to make them new. As a matter of fact, we know this because John has already said this to us earlier in the chapter. In verses 12 and 13, he said that he came to his own, his own did not receive him, but to all, even the Gentiles who did receive him, who believed in his name, who believed the complete content of the revelation of Jesus Christ, he gave them the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born again of God. By the way, chapter 3 and chapter 4 in John's gospel are all about this new birth and being made new. We're going to get introduced to Nicodemus, a high-level religious leader, and we're going to get introduced to the woman at the well, a low-level immoral person. And anybody and everyone in between needs to receive Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. And so not only do you and I need to have a content that we believe, we need to surrender to Jesus for who he is. We need to receive him as he's revealed himself. We need to ask him to forgive us, to change us, to cleanse us, and to make us new. Every follower of Jesus must be born again and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You, one of my fears is all the people that are sitting in the church that have the content down but have never relinquished their lives to Jesus Christ, their souls to Jesus Christ, their salvation to Jesus Christ, their ownership, their future to Jesus Christ. Jesus is a package deal. He's not an a la carte savior. Now listen, when I came to Jesus, I, know, I knew so very little of what I was getting myself into. Can I have an amen? But every step of the way as he's revealed himself, I've had to make a fresh surrender to him for what I now know of him. And every one of those has been to my benefit. How, how many of you have seen uh, the G, uh, Jesus, he gets us commercials? on te television, right? Now, I, I don't want to go into a long diatribe about what you think about those. But I will tell you, those commercials have allowed me to have some very interesting conversations with people who don't go to church, who watch a lot of television. And they're trying to figure out, okay, he gets us, but I'm trying to get the commercial. And, and they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. And you know, and so uh, one of the things that, for me, that, that I struggle with the commercials is it's all about Jesus getting us, but really, isn't it about us getting Jesus? So in teaching team this week, Luke Hoagland says, hey, Mike, man, there's a great remake of the Super Bowl commercial. I want to show it to you. So he showed it to me, and I'm like, 
Yeah. So I want to share that with you right now. Could you guys uh, play that? Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I, I was standing. You were there. Two worlds colliding. And they could never tear us apart. Isn't that great? Yeah. So whoever did that, we, we thank you for that. But what I think is so beautiful for you and I to see is, is that Jesus uh, doesn't come to make our life better. He comes to save us, rescue us, deliver us, transform us, heal us, love us, redeem us, forgive us, cleanse us, wash us, make us new, restore God's intention and purpose for our lives. Let's keep going. So first, a new content. Second, you and I must be born again, a conversion. Verse 41, it says that he first found his own brother. So Andrew goes and gets Simon and says to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And, and then he says, he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, Simon, to Jesus. He took the initiative. He's like, I found the most amazing thing in all of life, the thing I've always been searching for, the thing that, that, that I've, I've been reading about, the thing that I've been hearing about, the thing that I've been longing for, the one who can meet my deepest needs, the one who can solve my greatest crisis that takes place in my soul every day in my bondage to sin. And I need to go get my brother Simon because he's messed up. And I need to bring him to Jesus. He's got to meet who I just met. Andrew found the Messiah, and he wants Simon to meet the Messiah. You know, the most natural thing in the world for you and I as followers that find Jesus and begin to follow Jesus is to be excited to share Jesus with our friends and our relatives and our coworkers and our neighbors and even strangers and enemies. We want everyone to meet Jesus. We want everyone to find Jesus. We want everyone to follow Jesus. And that's the third change that takes place in our hearts that as much as we may have been hardened towards certain people, when Jesus comes into our lives and changes us, our relationships are reoriented to the reality that we want everyone to find the life that Jesus offers. And so we have a new concern we want to see Jesus save and transform and cleanse and forgive and heal and deliver and rescue and redeem everyone. 
So, that means I must learn to invite others to follow Jesus. I don't know what your life has been like since you first encountered Jesus like I did um, uh, for a number of years and then gave my life to Jesus. But over the, the decades, I've become more insulated and isolated from the lost and broken community by the, just the natural affinity of Christian friends that I've developed and Bible studies that I've been a part of and discipleship that's been taking place. And, and my busy life doesn't allow me oftentimes to pause and interact with people that might be far from God. And, and I've got my next Christian assignment to be getting to. One of the things that's so amazing in the Gospel of John is Jesus has time and all of his disciples need to learn how to make time to introduce others to Jesus and to invite them to follow Jesus. You know, I, I just, I think this is one of those shifts as a church that's now over 40 years old coming up on our, our 44th anniversary as a church, where it's easy for us as a church to be insulated and isolated from our community. And so afresh, we've got a year where we're for the one. You've heard us talk about it. We preached through Luke chapter 15, and we want to have a heart for the one, the one lost sheep. And we, we want to be willing to leave the 99 to go and find the one. And so on March 3rd, we're going to have a conference called For the One Conference. It's just, an, it's, we're calling it a conference, but it's just three hours long. And it's, it's being hosted by The Block, Kansas City, which is the young adult ministry that's a partnership between Lenexa Baptist and Journey Bible Church. And so we, uh, all three groups, Lenexa Baptist and Pastor Chad and, and, and Journey Bible Church and Pastor Mike and, and the block, uh, the pastors Luke and Nick from the two churches um, are, and their leadership team are hosting this conference. And, and what we hope to do is inspire you to have a heart for the one and then equip you with patterns and principles of how you can enter into other people's lives with the hope of presenting Jesus to them and bringing them to Jesus. So I, it, there's a registration. You can open the Journey Bible app and you can register right now. You can register online. I'd strongly encourage you to carve out that evening. Football is over. <laughs> and you will get some very practical and encouraging uh, 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 teaching and inspiration that will help you uh, move into the realm of meeting those that are far from God and sharing uh, the love of Jesus with them. So we have a new content that we must embrace. We have a conversion that must take place. We must be born again, and we have a new concern. We want everyone to find and follow Jesus. And that brings us to our fourth change, it says in verse 42 that Andrew brought uh, Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon and he said, you are Simon, the son of John? And he changes his name. You shall be called Cephas, which is Aramaic for rock. And then it's translated into Petros, which is the Greek word, um, which means small rock 
or, or uh, a stone. Um, and so what's taking place here is something very, very interesting. Jesus can see down the line. He can see who Peter will become, and he calls him a rock. Now, you and I, I could spend a whole sermon on uh, Matthew 18 where Jesus comes back to this with Peter and where the Catholic Church gets the whole idea of the Pope's descendancy. And I just want to tell you that's wrong. I'm not bagging on on the Catholic Church. Um, What I'm telling you is Peter himself tells us exactly what Jesus meant in the book of 1 Peter when he spends a chapter talking about the idea of a stone. And he says, I'm a stone. But Jesus is the cornerstone. I'm just a rock, a granite rock. But Jesus is the mountain. He is the rock, the cornerstone. And then he talks about how the church is built. It's built off of the cornerstone, who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And then the rocks are laid. And you and I join Peter in being rocks in the building, the temple of the New Testament, which is the church. Can I have an amen? But there's a beautiful play on words going on here because Jesus would describe himself at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He, he, he would say that, that you have a choice on how you are going to build your house. You can build your house on the sand, right? Or you can build your house on the rock. Who's the rock? It's Jesus, the word, and what he's communicated about himself And when you and I obey the word and we believe in Jesus as the rock, we become like Jesus. Now, we don't become a big rock. We become a little rock. Amen? But aren't we supposed to be conformed to the image of our Savior? See, that's the third change, the fourth change that takes place. It's conformity. Not conformity to the world, but conformity to the image of Christ. We are becoming more and more like our Savior. The more and more we yield ourselves. And then one day, when we get our new bodies, when Christ returns and raptures the church, after everything that has taken place, and you and I get our new bodies, we are going to be made in the image of Christ in a way that's going to be supernaturally beautiful. Can I have an amen? But in the meantime, you and I are supposed to be growing and changing to becoming more like Christ in the way we think, in the motives that we have, in the way we respond in the actions that we take, in the words that come out of our mouths. And so that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Now, let me ask you a question. How rock-like was Peter in the Gospels? You know what happens with Peter in the Gospels? He, he's, he's, you're going to find Peter doing a couple of really... One moment, he's this huge courageous guy who whips out his sword and in a sword fight with the people trying to take away Jesus, he lops off a guy's ear, right? And then less than a day later, he's standing before a fire and a servant girl asks him, aren't you one of his followers? Once they've already imprisoned Jesus. And he goes, no, not me. He goes from courageous hero to coward, denier. So I just want you to know, if you're sitting out there and you're going, Mike, I I know I'm supposed to be more and more like Jesus, but right now, like, I'm kind of like Peter. I'm messed up. That's okay. 
God's not done with you. All through the New Testament, we have promise after promise after promise that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. All you got to do is surrender. All you got to do is submit. All you have to do is choose to obey. To obey his will, to obey his ways as he's communicated to us in his word. To follow Jesus, this is going to be one of the big themes in the Gospel of John, especially in the Upper Room Discourse. Jesus is going to say, man, if you love me, if you really love me, you will obey me. You will keep, he uses this word keep, my commands. And the idea of keep doesn't, doesn't just mean duty. It, it has this idea like it's a treasure that I'm keeping, that I'm following through on, that I'm acting on. You will keep my commands. The one who really loves me will keep my commands. And then he says this, and if you're obeying me and you're keeping my commands and you're following me and you're thinking like I am and you're seeking to love like I am as imperfectly as you're doing it, when you do that, I'm going to reveal more of myself to you so that you can even do more of it. Isn't that awesome? Jesus promises. And, he, and then, he, then he went another level. He said, look, look, I know how hard this is, so I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to put my spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of you to give you power, to enlighten you, to guide you, to direct you, to equip you so that you can do everything I ask you to do. And so this is that journey of following Jesus. And one of the things is, is that the decision, you really want to experience intimacy with Jesus, then you've got to trust him. You've got to believe in him. You've got to rest in him and believe that when he says something, it's the best way to do something. So when you feel like vengeance and Jesus says forgiveness, you're faced with a choice. Will you take the way of Jesus or will you take the way of the world? And so, just to kind of bring this to a summary, these are four magnificent changes that God wants to do in the life of someone who finds and follows Jesus. One, he, he wants to give a new content and have us accept the revelation of who Jesus is, why Jesus came, and what that means for us. Second, he wants us not only to believe it in our head, he wants us to surrender and experience being born again, where we ask him to be our Lord and our Savior, to be our Redeemer, to be the one that leads us and guides us and determines the course of our lives. And then out of that comes a new concern for the people that are all around me and my desire to invite them so that they can experience and find and follow Jesus. And then lastly, and isn't that interesting that, that before Andrew gets his whole life cleaned up, he's going and getting people to bring to Jesus. So if you're brand new in the faith here, go get somebody. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to church. Sit and spend some time talking about their spiritual needs and pointing them to the scriptural answers and the person of Jesus. You don't have to have a master's degree to help people find Jesus. 
Can I have an amen? amen. You're commissioned. Go, do it. And then lastly is conformity. Being made new. You know, um, if you were to ask my wife what being married to me was like in year one, I would not want to be around when she answers. And, and if you would ask her what it's like to be married to me now, she would say, oh, much better. Still a lot of work to go, but much better. See, Peter, you're going to follow Peter and you're going to find out that there's still a lot of work to do. And you're going to find that when you read his letters, God was doing an amazing work in him even after the resurrection. So I want to challenge you, these four changes, content, conversion, concern, conformity. Trust God in his revelation of Jesus Christ. Choose to be born again. Invite others and obey Jesus. So where are you this morning? Which one of these four is speaking to your heart? Which one of these have you left out in your a la carte Jesus understanding? Wherever you are, take that next step. If you're here this morning and you've been weighing whether or not you should follow Jesus, maybe today is the day that you surrender to the one that you know as best as you know, and you ask him to come in and forgive your sins, to cleanse you and take over, and make you a new person, and lead you in the life that he wants you to live. Let's pray. God, we recognize that um, it's easy for us to oftentimes uh, want to make up our own God because we really want you to serve us because we're at the center of our lives and I I guess Lord that's probably the first thing that really comes to reality when we meet you for who you are is we're dethroned we are not Lord we are not God we are not Savior and we're not even capable of fixing our own soul so Lord we just recognize you as the only one who can do that You're not a God among gods. You are the God in the flesh, Jesus the Christ, the Son. Lord, we ask you to lead us, to guide us, to change us, and use us to advance your kingdom one life at a time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.